page 1076. 1076, back to our reading in John chapter 10. We're looking at the topic tonight, what is life to the max? And yesterday, uh, we went out on the street and asked people what they thought life to the max was and what did they think life was all about. And uh, I want to show you a little video. If we make sure the volume's up so we can really hear it. Uh, this is the views of the street on Rose Street yesterday. Here you are, get it. I've got one of these. Striving for happiness and fulfillment. Oh, God knows. <laughs> That's probably it. I've no idea. Say yes to everything and go skydiving. What is life all about? Having fun and travelling. <laughs> That's a question. question. That's life is all about no like oh, let's be enjoy like try no, to be happy. happy. Yeah. Being happy. Sure. <laughs> Never saying no. What is life all about? Being happy. What you can live life to the max is uh, make sure you're true to your own sense of joy. Never let it go, never give it up. Hold on to it, tooth and nail. Life is all about recording all of your experiences so that when you die, you can upload them into the collective conscious. And that way, God can truly know itself. Uh, love and understanding. Hit the bottle. Steaming. <laughs> Football. Dungeon I'm living the dream. It's a bit philosophical for a Saturday morning. Also, quite, quite a lot of things. Just um, helping everyone else out and being as good a person as you can be. Of living life to the max. It's about doing everything you do with enthusiasm and commitment. I wish I knew what life was all about. I'm still searching on that one. But you can only live life to the max really by focusing on the present. What's life all about? Well, that's quite simple. People have been wondering what life's all about for years. I've no idea what life is all about. Life's about life, and I mean, you can't answer that simply. What is life all about? What is life all about? I haven't got a clue. quite interesting, isn't it? What is the good life? Um, what is life to the max? How, how do you get it? Well, what does what a fulfilled, happy life look like? I mean, we want to be happy. A lot of people said that, didn't they? They wanted to be happy. Um, but where does this happiness come from? It is actually trickier than it looks. Uh, it was interesting to me that the young people went sort of say, yeah, you know, never say no, always say yes and be happy. And it was the older people who kind of more honestly went, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the young people just hadn't worked out yet. The older people worked out. I, I haven't got a clue. I don't know whether you remember the first paycheck that you've ever had. Maybe some of you are waiting for your first paycheck. 
But I remember the first paycheck I had. It wasn't a massive amount, but man, it felt good. It was so exciting. I had some money. I had some money in my pocket. I, I, I felt really happy. So maybe does it maybe works out like if a little money makes you a little happy, maybe a lot of money will make you a lot happy. Is that how it works? Or, or maybe it's a lot of travel. Maybe it's skydiving uh, or extreme skydiving. Maybe a lot of sex. Maybe a lot of sex will do it. Or maybe a lot of possessions. Or, or maybe just the right partner to go through life together with. Um, what, what does it mean to live life to the max? As Ross was saying a little bit earlier, as he honestly shared some of his story, it seems as if life is a, a, a case of the law of diminishing returns. The more you pursue that first buzz you had in something, the harder it gets. You have to keep doing something a bit more extreme to get the same buzz, to get the same excitement, to get the same happiness. And actually, that can take you into some pretty scary directions. It doesn't matter how much you have of something. It doesn't seem to quite satisfy. How can we experience life to the max? Now, I want you to see tonight what Jesus has to say about that. And uh, we're going to look at one verse tonight in our reading from John's Gospel. This is what Jesus says in in chapter 10, verse 10. Have a look at verse 10. We're going to think about this one sentence on page 1076. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, is that not a very surprising verse? I think most people today find that verse very hard to believe. It says the exact opposite of what most people seem to think today. Most people are too polite to say it out loud that they disagree with Jesus, but in practice... Uh, in their actions, in their lives, they kind of show that they just simply don't believe what Jesus says here. Uh, People seem quite convinced that the way to live life to the max is basically to have nothing to do with God, Uh, just to ignore God. I spoke with a man very uh, yesterday, very honest with me. He said, look, I'm not an atheist, I'm an agnostic, Uh, and the question of whether God's there is is like the big beast question I just don't want to look at. I just want to get on with my life. And I think that's what most people are at. In a sense, okay, God might be there, but it's, it's irrelevant really to, to really getting on and living life to the max. That's what people are saying. You know, no one on the street yesterday said, actually, life to the max is about putting your faith in Jesus Christ and following Jesus for the rest of your life. Nobody said that. Now, to people's minds, the the problem with Christianity, uh, even if they think about it, and most people today don't even think about it, in their mind, it's got negative conceptions. They think, oh, it's about rules. It's it's about morality. It's about things you can't do. It's about restrictions. It's going to cramp my style. It seems narrow. You know, something that's going to rob you of life, not give you life. But Jesus says that people who think like that are completely wrong and that they've been duped that they're not thinking clearly because he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy 
I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, why do people get this so wrong? I want to suggest to you that there's at least two reasons why people get this wrong. Firstly, they are not honestly looking at life without God. That's the first thing. People are not honestly looking at life without God. And secondly, uh, they're not understanding the truth about Jesus. So I want us to think about those two things. Let's think about the first thing. They have not honestly looked at life without God. See, people are pursuing, uh, basically today, um, the good life of materialism. By and large, in the West, that's what we're doing. We've been told that the good life is getting more money and getting more stuff. Uh, Pursuing pleasure, pursuing entertainment, uh, travel, uh, pursue success, pursue awards, fame. and, And people believe this because that's what drives their life, despite all the evidence that it doesn't do it. People don't honestly seem to face this. Jim Carrey uh, has achieved all of those things. He's achieved fame, success. You know, in, in, in every movie, he gets multi-millions, which buy uh, an extravagant lifestyle. And, um, and this is what Jim Carrey once said. I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they've ever dreamed of so that they will know that it's not the answer. That's a bit deeper than I was expecting from Jim Carrey. I watched The Mask. I wasn't expecting that. Well, that's what he's saying. He's got it all. And he says it's just not the answer. Andrew Marr, the journalist and writer and broadcaster, he spoke at the the book festival this week. I got a chance to hear him. Um, And um, Andrew Marr, in an interview earlier this year in the Guardian newspaper, he was asked this question, what has been life's greatest disappointment And his answer was success. Success was the biggest disappointment. See, the life of pursuing more stuff, uh, more more success, more sex, does not bring the good life that the glossy magazines and the Hollywood movies falsely promise. This is what Jesus is telling us here in this verse. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You see, life is not just one trivial, frothy, Edinburgh fringe show. Uh, Life is serious. And Jesus is warning us that life is dangerous. Do you see that? Behind the events of our lives, there is a thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, Jesus is using picture language here. There's an extended metaphor here, uh, using the language of sheep and shepherds and sheep pens. Um, and, and, but what he's speaking of here is speaking of life. And he's saying that there is behind life an evil opponent who actually means to do us harm, the devil and his forces. He finds uh, ample opportunity within the world around us and even with their own sinful nature. And the devil wants to do this. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. And when you hear the voice uh, whispering uh, in your ear, if you ever uh, even think about Christianity, well, don't waste your time. Don't pay any attention to God. Uh, Christianity is restrictive. It's, it, it, the real life is this way. This is the exciting life. Pursue these things. Well, that, that has demonic breath all over it. 
And you might consider yourself tonight just far too sophisticated to believe in uh, such things as the danger of uh, the evil one, the devil. Find the whole notion laughable, and the devil's quite happy for you to think that. He really is. Just continue thoughtlessly pursuing uh, all these things that you think will give you the real life. And, but actually, do you know what's really going on? You're being robbed of life. That's what Jesus is warning us of. You're being robbed of life. Um, you know, I like my food, and, you know, the Great British Bake Off kicks off again, and I'll be really excited that my daughters will watch it and make all these delicious pastries for me to eat. But, you know, some people just seem to live for food, like food is everything, and, you know, they shop at Waitrose. So I love that people can afford that. But they, and and, and, they, I, and they, there's the essential section now, I think, which is cheaper, but... Um, and they live for food. And so people, you know, for some people, food is their God. Wine is their God. But look, look at life, let's be honest. Uh, we're all getting fatter. People are dying earlier. Your blood vessels are getting filled up with those fatty things, deposits. Uh, we're in the heart disease nation of Europe. All this pursuit of food is actually only bringing us death. The rise of alcoholism. I'm not a teetotaler. I'm not saying you have to be a teetotaler. But we have to be concerned the rise of alcoholism. It's a huge problem in our society. The problems of binge drinking. Uh, I just saw in the paper today the growing numbers of uh, people who are going over to like Spain on holiday are getting absolutely out of their face and dying because they're falling off the balconies. And the hotel guys say, well, people got to learn to use balconies properly. We've got massive problems. Uh, liver disease, uh, deaths from drunk driving, um, domestic violence is fueled by alcohol, and domestic violence is a huge problem in Scotland. And, and alcohol is promising life, isn't it? All the adverts, uh, all the, uh, the, the, the adverts, they all show you beautiful people. Not, not the people who are kind of got hugely overweight problems because they've drunk too much carbohydrates and they're kind of their teeth are falling out and they're just desperate for the next drink. They're not showing you the people whose lives are falling apart by drink. No, they, they promise life, but you know, behind it all, the devil only wants to steal and kill and destroy. Now, people say, well, you know, Sex. That's it. Go after sex. Go just have as much sex as you can have. Just pursue as much physical pleasure as you can have. And, and people are believing this all over the place. And, and we're at a time where uh, sexually transmitted disease rates are soaring. Where diseases where we thought were diseases of the past are now coming back like syphilis. The doctors are really concerned because the, uh, the old antibiotics are not doing it anymore. And... Um, the rise of single uh, occupancy homes is on the increase. So all this pursuit of sex, in fact, is just producing a very lonely nation. As marriages are getting torn apart, as we see soaring levels of uh, abortion, repeat abortions, the lie is pursue this and you'll have life. When will people honestly look at it and say, it, it, it's not delivering? 
there's some sort of conspiracy out there just to prevent us from seeing the truth. But Jesus is warning us here, the devil only comes to steal and kill and destroy. Now, Edinburgh is full of people who think that actually getting fame and success, that that's going to make it for them. That's what they're pursuing. Uh, I, I saw one, it was only uh, two days ago, uh, there's a comedian who's over loads of buses right now, young guy, he's on all the big buses, and this poor guy was walking along the road trying to go somewhere, he had about five drunken guys behind him going, hey, <laughs> tell us a joke, <laughs> and they kept banging him, and this guy was just, you know, they were just trying to get some reaction out of him, and he, was, he had a long walk to go. Fame, that's it? Really? We've just only heard recently of uh, another Hollywood star dying from a drug overdose at the age of 31. Big hit, lots of money, big future. What do the following people have in common? Owen Wilson, Halle Berry, Britney Spears, Mel Gibson. They've all attempted suicide. You know, being beautiful, being famous, being successful, it does not give life. But people are, are headlong pursuing what will not give them life. People do, are not honest. They're not honestly looking at life, um, this so-called life without God. People want their lives to have meaning and significance. But you know what? If we listen to the atheists and say that there's no God, then life really has no meaning. It has no purpose. It has no point. Uh, Jean-Paul Sartre was uh, a very honest atheist, and he wrote this. Uh, I think the quote should be there. If God does not exist, life is forlorn. It is absurd. It is hopeless, because neither inside us or outside us is there anything worth clinging to. One of the shortest plays ever written is uh, by Samuel Beckett. It's called The Breath. You can Go on YouTube, put in the breath, you'll find it. Damien Hurst has done a version of it. It lasts for one minute. This is basically how the play goes. It's a darkened stage. The lights go up. The stage is full of rubbish everywhere. And you hear over the speakers a large inhaled breath. And then exhale. And the lights go out. Now, you don't have to be a drama student to get the point, do you? That's what Beckett is saying life is like if there's no God. If there's no God, then we're just a pile of accidental rubbish in the universe. Our lives are fleetingly short, basically a breath, and then it's over, and that's it. Is this the life that we're pursuing? Is this really it? Do you not feel actually you're being robbed? If this short, transient life is all that there is, and the affluent don't really find any satisfaction, and the truth is that the, the majority world is living in suffering and poverty and then dies, and that's it? We're being robbed. And Jesus is warning us of this in this very verse. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy and the greatest thing that we're being robbed of is relationship with God. Relationship with the God who made us. 
with the God who's got a purpose and a meaning for our life. Yes, we have life, but it's the life of, uh, of, a, of a cut flower. Last week, there were lots of flowers. There. I was going to turn around and point to the flowers, but they're not there. Brilliant. I was sitting around there. I couldn't see it. So that's our life. It's beautiful, isn't it? Except it's dying. A couple of days, that's going to look shriveled and useless because the, the life's been cut out of it. It's lost connection to the source of life. That's our life. The Bible says that this is its worse than that even. Because this life is just a small temporary period. It's a period of decision making that will affect actually our eternal destinies. Either the bliss of life with God forever or the horror of separation from God and hell itself. Jesus warned often of this. So here's my problem with this misunderstanding about Christianity. Firstly, is that people just have a wrong wrong understanding of life without God. People aren't honestly looking at it. And the second thing is that they have a false view of Jesus Christ. You know, if people do think about Christianity, then uh, I think they do think, well, it's about morals, it's about rules, it's about being good, and actually I'm good without that, so who cares? Um, And increasingly people are sort of saying, well, you know what, following Jesus, I think it just makes you blinkered. It makes you narrow, it makes you harsh and negative. I don't want anything to do with it. That's, that's what people are saying out there. And to be fair, I've met some people who say that they're Christians who kind of are not great advertisements for being Christians. I have to say I've met many more people who aren't great adverts for unbelief either. But I wonder how many people in Scotland today have, have, have basically come to that conclusion not because they've ever looked at it, just because they've heard it in the media. They've just picked up a negativity and they've just written it off. And it is stunning to me, just as you talk to Scottish people on the street, mentioning about the Bible, Christianity, oh, no, not interested. It's quite interesting, many of the international visitors, they are interested. They want to come in, oh, yeah, I'm interested about this. And I don't know what it is going on in Scotland right now, but there is a terribly false view of Jesus Christ, that this is narrow, this is restricting, this isn't about life at all. And I wonder how we genuinely have looked at the eyewitness records of, uh, of Jesus' life and really examined what it says. Look at what Jesus says here. What does he say here? I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you know what Jesus is about? He's about living life to the max. He's come that you'll have life, real life, now, it's an extraordinary statement, and there's, uh, there's not enough time to really look at it in depth, but here's a couple of things that we could say about this phrase. It says some very interesting things about Jesus, firstly. I mean, if you had the time to read through John's Gospel, when Jesus says, I have come, well, the question is, where has he come from? Well, he, he came from Nazareth. Well, that's right. Uh, you can say, well, he came from Bethlehem. Well, that's right. But if you read John's Gospel from the very beginning, what the claim of John's Gospel is that he has come from God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Here is when Jesus says, I have come, he is reminding us that actually this is God come in human flesh. This is the Creator who enters into the creation so that we could know who he is. I have come. Did you notice by the end of this account 
they are picking up stones to kill him because of the claim of blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Right? Jesus claimed to be God. Uh, it's quite simple, quite straightforward. It's an outrageous claim if it's false. Uh, and you'd have to look honestly and say, what evidence is there for it? And I think there's plenty of evidence to say, actually, this is who uh, he says he is. He, he, he's the real deal. But you know, you'll never understand life without coming to know the God who made you. The God who gives life and gives meaning to life. And we can know this God because he himself has made himself known. We, we don't have to be frightened about that question because God has done all of this. I, I asked my friend yesterday, what would God have to do to um, make you, to prove to you that you can actually know him? Well, how about actually God comes to us and takes on human flesh with a miraculous birth? How, how about someone who does incredible miracles? How about somebody who dies and is raised from the life? I mean, I don't think that happens all the time. Like, I'm not gullible. I go, oh, yeah, people rise from the dead all the time. No, they don't. No, that's the point. It is remarkable. What would God have to do to show that actually, wake up. He's a huge signpost. God has come and made himself known. We can know God. But second, look at this statement. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Here's the great purpose of Jesus. Here's the point of Christianity. The Bible um, uses uh, this metaphor of sheep a lot for human beings. It's not very flattering. Sheep aren't the smartest animal. I mean, I don't know what animal you'd rather be. A dolphin, maybe. At least you could do fun tricks. Um, I don't know what, what animal you'd... But actually, the bulb doesn't go for the dolphin. It goes for a sheep. And, um, you know, in Wales, I come from Wales. I come from... We're going to Welsh here now. I come from Wales. And you go up driving the valleys, and there's sheep wandering all over the place because they, they're useless. They just wander off into danger. They're stupid. Find a gap, they'll walk away. And the Bible says we are just like sheep. We walk away from the shepherd. We, we, we chase whatever is in front of our nose, looking for the next munchie, not knowing that we're heading to disaster and danger. Jesus, uh, it says in, in, in a few places in, in um, the Gospels, he sees large crowds of people. And it says this, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Um, I, got a, I got a taste of that yesterday as I filmed people. And I said, what is life all about? And you saw the responses. I haven't got a clue. Hang on. Really? Thousands of people walking around, living this life, and they haven't got a clue what it is about. Why are they here? They, they have no idea. Is there any point to their life? Is there any purpose to life? They have no idea. They are sheep without a shepherd. Jesus says that he has come that we may know what life is about. He's come to give us life and life to the full. If we're sheep that are wandering all over the place, he's come to call us and bring us home to himself, the shepherd. And, and, and in the imagery of this passage, um, it talks about life to the full of a, of a, of a cared for, loved contented, fat, happy little sheep that is protected and safe 
and inside the closure that follows the shepherd in and out he's protected he's protected from wolves and thieves and robbers and of course that is just a picture uh, of what Jesus has come to do he's come so that we could know what life is about that we could know the purpose of our life he's come to protect us from the evil one who comes only to steal and kill and destroy he has come to uh, feed our souls he's come to guide us and lead us through life and save us through many tragedies and pains and suffering my friends um, apart from him we are heading into ever increasing danger and he's come that we might have life Uh, Just look at some of the phrases in John chapter 10. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Do you see how personal this relationship? This one who personally uh, knows us, and we can know him personally. He who would lead us and guide us. Look at uh, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish no one can snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all no one can snatch them out of my father's hand it is through becoming Christ's sheep that we experience salvation that we receive eternal life and that is um, a life that knows that it's right with God. A life that knows that all the guilt and the shame and, and, and the, the pain of, uh, of separation and loneliness in this life is gone because I'm trusting Christ. And it's a life that goes on, not just now, but into all eternity. Where God invites us to join into this relationship of eternal love that He's had with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, We long to be loved. No human being can really provide that love. And God invites us to experience and enjoy His love in relationship with Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. To those sheep that hear His voice and follow Him. You know, whatever moment you've had in your life where you felt most intensely and vibrantly alive, I think is just a brief taste of what eternal life will look like. Except it'll never fade. And it'll grow and deepen. If people think of eternal life as a really, like a bad experience of being in an old people's home, all infirmed and frail forever, that is horror. That's not the picture. (laughs) The picture is life, vitality, quality given a resurrection body like Christ that is not subject to decay and death you know those great blessings are in the future but there is a great blessing to know now who you can thank for in life I know many parents who in a sense is having their first child has awoken them that they, they feel profoundly thankful but they don't know who to thank or come home to Christ and you'll know who to thank you'll know why you're here you know that there's something to do you know what your life is about you know what your life is for you know that there's someone who is going to protect you and keep you that no one can pluck you out of his hand Uh, not even disease not even cancer can pluck you out of his hand for he gives life eternal 
life. To me, being a Christian makes sense of this world. It's good for my mind. It's the one thing that makes me understand life as it really is rather than the pretend world that people look at. It's where I experience forgiveness and love and joy, where I have certain hope. A neighbor came to tell me that uh, he was really concerned about a relative who was advanced stages of cancer, and he had to go and encourage her. And he said, to be honest, I've got nothing to tell her to encourage her. He's not a Christian. He's got nothing to tell her. He's got nothing to tell her. I gave him a book on suffering that pointed him to Jesus, and I'm hoping he's going to read it. Because there's things we can say. Do you have this life? Jesus came that we may have life. Do you, do you have this life? Is it yours? Do you know it for sure tonight? It can be yours. How is it that you can have this life? Well, just look at the very next verse after verse 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What does a thief come to do? He comes only to steal and kill and destroy for himself. This is what the good shepherd does. He comes and lays down his life so that his sheep may know life eternal. What a king, what a shepherd, what a lord. He came and gave up his life in his death upon the cross that we would know eternal life. Have you come and received it? Have you asked him? Tonight, have you heard his voice? calling you home calling you home to himself if you called out to him for salvation you could do that tonight you know ask him call on him to have mercy upon you to give you life life eternal turn to Christ and you can be saved this night if you want to talk with someone I'll, I'll stay up here talk to Andy maybe at the door I'd love to share with you more I'd love to help you will you face up to the false lies of what is life look out for it in the newspapers it's ridiculous I was so moved by this 17 year old boy who threw himself off the fourth road bridge because he'd been lured through some webcam sting to revealing some image of himself that He'd been drawn towards, and then they blackmailed him. And in desperation, throws himself off the bridge and kills him. And people on websites have been telling him to go and kill himself. How do you explain that? The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's yours for the taking. Take it tonight.